When I left the world of television, I was leaving a world of feast and famine income, at least as far as I was concerned, and hopefully moving into a world where there was a steadier income stream as I started to build an online business. You know, back when I did my TV show, almost all of our income for any six-month period was packed into about a six-week period when I was actually on the road visiting sponsors, putting the deals in place for the sponsorship that would carry us through the next season. So income, basically, into, the, into our business happened twice a year, just during sponsorship season. The rest of the time, there was almost no income. So it was a complete feast or famine scenario, which creates so much pressure on everybody involved. That's one of the things that really appealed to me when I started to transition into the online business was hopefully I could find a way to even out that entire process of revenue, just make it a little bit smoother. Now, as many online entrepreneurs know, and perhaps you're listening, you're thinking, Steve, you've jumped out of the frying pan into the fire because for a lot of online uh, entrepreneurs, for a lot of people with online businesses, our business is often feast or famine as well. For example, course creators. You spend a lot of time creating the course and then you go through a launch. The whole time that you're creating the course, you're not earning any revenue, but when you launch it within a maybe a one-month period, all of the revenue comes in for that course, and then you're back into creating the next course and you're back to zero revenue. So you could have a feast or famine scenario online, and indeed, many do. But one of the promises that they made to us when we started building an online business is the promise of passive income. And I should, I should have a little angelic, angelic music playing while I say the word passive income because it is such a balm to the soul. It's such a holy grail. It's something that we all desire and seek. Well, I've come to the determination that passive income is is a little bit like a unicorn. Um, it, it, it's nice to think of, but it's really not, the reality of it is not going to be what it is. Probably the unicorn wasn't the best analogy for that. Now there is, I do believe we can get close to passive income in a lot of areas, but we'll never have true passive income, but we can smooth out that entire situation. We can generate regular recurring revenue into our businesses, uh, but we have to understand kind of what, as we build each module of our business, what the revenue model of that's gonna be and how it's going to support us. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing. Our prospects are changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help. I want to help. And this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. And welcome to our to Gray Matter. Steve Dotto here along with Rachel Moore. How are you doing, Rachel? Uh, doing well. Spring is in the air. And mm -hmm. uh, for anyone who doesn't realize why Justin Timberlake is trending everywhere on social media, it's because May, and he always like, it's 
you know, it's May. That's how he sings. And so you're going to see really? a lot of Justin. I didn't, I didn't know that's yeah. As we're recording this, but by the time people listen to this podcast, it'll be a few days later, but I have to greet you with, uh, with the, um, and I don't know how I know this. I'm concerned about what it is in my notifications that lets me know, but happy naked gardening day. <laughs> well, as someone with a, with a black thumb, I will simply mirror that back to anyone listening. Happy naked gardening day. Happy get world. Your, Actually, I, I, I misspoke. Happy world naked gardening day <laughs> we well we definitely don't want to restrict any countries or locales from from going naked and going in the buff when they are i don't in dirt. I, so i don't know how i know this how does this end up in my calendar <laughs> steve how do any of these dates end up on the calendar i mean yeah. seriously some of the i love i just get a kick out of these arbitrary dates so many of us actually went up using though you know miracle grow is probably out there saying okay how can we how can we uh maximize well, on this. actually what, what let me just do the math what's uh today is the first saturday's first sunday's the second monday's the third two uh, two unfortunately uh, starter wars day is the day before the podcast drops see that one i think oh, is cool because that's a clever turn of phrase right oh it's great yeah and as a geek i fully endorse that yeah, date so indeed. yeah so pre pre happy may the fourth to anyone who's listening to this before although it's may the fourth Although to completely get off the rails, I was, as I was walking the other day, uh, having watched the last of the, the, uh, the new Marvel television series, I, I thought to myself, I wonder which is a more valuable franchise today, the Marvel one or the traditional Star Wars franchise. I would have like years ago, it would have been Star Wars is the most valuable franchise on the planet as far as film franchises go. Uh, but I wonder if the Marvel franchise is now worth more. It, 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 it is, it, it has surpassed. You know what? I'm going to throw a wrench into that too because I live in a under a roof with two people who are Star Trek fans. Yep. So, you know, and that's got quite a long, you know, valuable, but not alone. never to the level I don't think of the Star Wars franchise. Anyways, this has absolutely nothing to do with what we should be talking about on Gray Matters. So let's get to our content for the show today, if we can. Um, the uh, coming up in a bit, I'm going to be I'm going to spend time today talking about uh, about the entire concept of what is passive income, about how how we generate income from the uh, generate additional revenue streams from the uh, from our from the content that we create. So that's going to be our main feature today that will be coming up in a few moments. But as is our tradition here on Gray Matters, at least since since Rachel joined us, we're going to catch you up on what's happened in the world of social media, online marketing, technology. We're going to take a look at the top stories that are not related to naked gardening today. <laughs> so 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 what, <laughs> what 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 has caught your attention, Rachel? So uh, both my articles today are coming from fastcompany.com. It's just one of those, uh, you know, news sites that I like to follow for tech and things. Um, so we talked a lot about Apple and I guess, you know, hello, Apple user, I'm going to ask you, has I think that uh, update rolled out, right? Where Apple is asking everyone to, do you want to be tracked? You know, yes. This app's going to track you. Yeah, it's a, Apple's iOS fourteen point five. Is it? I think I can't remember the exact uh, the exact version number. But uh, Apple, any people who use iOS devices who've upgraded are now getting notifications in a variety of places. When you're in a game, when you're in a, on a website, when you're running an app, they're asking you if you want to give that app permission to track your wanderings on the web, to track your movements through the web. 
And uh, of course, many people are saying no. And this is, of course, as a part of this, if, since it's happening in the browser, is severely impacting uh, the ability of Facebook and, and other um, other paid traffic services to directly yeah. target you with ads uh, based on your based on your uh, based on your habits. So uh, thank you, and that's exactly what we're talking about. So for anyone who would kind of feel a little kind of like, oh, karma, you know, a little, let's, someone should needle Apple a little bit in some way. Uh, I have that story for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, the European Commission or the EU is going uh, to file antitrust charges against Apple for breaching competition rules. And yeah. essentially what's happening is this relates to music players and the Apple's app store policies require uh, that music streaming apps have to use Apple's in-app purchases. And they take, I think we've talked about this, they take a huge cut. They take a 30% cut. Yep. And they're saying, hey, you're violating competition here um, and you need to stop doing that. So um, that is the where the story is now. And that's obviously we'll see how successful they are with you know, getting Apple to back off or, you know, anything like that. But I just thought that'd be an interesting uh, story for anyone who's kind of like, kind of tired of Apple running this whole gig right now, you know, and, <laughs> and it relates to, you know, the fact that they do make a whole heck of a lot of money off of uh, the fact that so many people have to use the App Store to do just about anything on your iPhone. The App Store is one of those really interesting Apple creations, which is uh, which delivers a lot of value to the Apple ecosystem and a lot of money into Apple's pockets. It, and it also uh, marginalizes a lot of people. And uh, and basically, it's almost extortion in some ways. It, it, but it is all of those things. But there's also good in the Apple App Store, although it's uh, they haven't necessarily taken advantage of the good that it can be lately. So here, here's the, for people who are kind of want to understand the underlying technology a little bit more. With it, 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 you you cannot just load the Apple ecosystem as a closed system, unlike the Android ecosystem. You can't just go and you can't load an application from a website into into your iPhone. Um, if you do that, you're basically hacking your iPhone, and it's called side loading, and it's not approved by Apple, and it does a whole bunch of warranty voiding things, and, and it exposes you all sorts of danger, et cetera. Danger, Will Smith. So Apple, but so now Apple says that they do that so that they can maintain the integrity of the system and the security of the system, which is brilliant. I mean, at that point, there, you know, you, you, they are protecting people from uh, from uh, potential hacking, from nefarious products, from viruses, etc. Having said that, um, they just last week, two weeks ago, we were talking about the fact that uh, the cryptocurrencies, some cryptocurrency apps, were in the app store that were indeed. Um, were indeed uh, kind of Trojan horse type uh, apps that were stealing people's cryptocurrency. And so Apple, mm -hmm. you know, they haven't made a lot of, they haven't talked a lot about it, but it was, they, they had verified the apps in the app store. So people had the faith that Apple is obviously having their backs and uh, Apple yeah. did not indeed have their backs. Now from a content publisher's point of view, the app store is wonderful because it's a single place that you have to target towards to sell your products. But they take their cut no matter what. And they have a variety of different rules as far as how you present yourself, the type of content, if it's not safe for work, and all those sorts of things, the language. They've got all their social um, moray rules that are in place as well. And a lot of content creators run afoul of those. And they, and Apple is the bane of their existence. Because imagine you're creating a mobile game for the Apple ecosystem, and then Apple won't sell it through their app store. What do you do? You've mm -hmm. invested a bunch and then Apple won't tell. And then Apple can also completely arbitrarily set the rules. You don't have another route to the customer. So consequently, the uh, the app developers 
have in-app purchases. They try and kind of circumvent things by allowing people to purchase stuff within the app, which means that they don't have to pay as much up front. They can test the app first and these sorts of things. And it's we can talk about the value of these in-app purchases ad nauseum, but Apple takes their cut. And so regardless of everything else, Apple has always got their hand in the jar. And it's fine. Apple should have their hand in the jar to a certain extent, but to what level? And yeah. if there's no competition, then how is that level... How, how can we tell if it's equitable, if it's if if it's a, a fair price? So that's yeah. what the European Commission is, is dealing with now. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and seriously, I, I knew if I teed this up for you, you you'd be able to dive into all the eh, why this is, you know, feels icky. Um, and so but it's, also just my, my my level of pettiness. I'm kind of just like, hey. Yeah, go, well, it's one of those. It's one of those things that I can that I'm, I can actually argue both sides of the equation. You know, I feel I feel mm-hmm. I feel a little, you know, because I, I get a lot of things that Apple does, and I understand the reasoning. And at one level, it's kind of like religion. You know, you can argue, I can argue both sides of religions. You know, you know, I was raised Catholic. Catholic Church did a lot of good. Catholic Church did a lot of bad too. And it's easy. It's easy enough to slip into wear either of those hats to argue both sides of the equation. So I think we can agree that the, that Apple is pretty much the modern Catholic Church. <laughs> well, and that's the soundbite that I hope everyone takes away. And we'll definitely we'll put a link to the Catholic Church. We will not. I'm just joking. Yes, indeed. Um, in, in the show notes. All right. <laughs> I don't know what that makes Steve Jobs. Let's let's go on to my top story then. And of course, we will have links to all of this in the show notes. So my top story this week is um, is uh, we just passed a birthday, April twenty third, two thousand and five. YouTube was born. <gasps> wow! So Happy in birthday. a way, since we're in twenty twenty one, YouTube is closer to the nineteen nineties than it is to today as far as its age. It's fifteen year. It's sixteen years from nineteen from two thousand and five. But from December thirty first, nineteen eighty nine, YouTube is only fifteen years away. Wow! So, it's, so which is kind of makes wow. It's so it's so interesting, and it and it's all good news for YouTube uh, since then. By the way, just a, a complete aside. Uh, April twenty third, two thousand and five, YouTube was born. My first video that I posted on YouTube was September 27th, 2006. So just over a year. So I've been- Oh, way to, be a, way to be an early adopter there. I'm Steve. OG, I'm YouTube OG, I believe is the <laughs> uh, is a old guard or original gangster or whatever you wanna call. Um, but the the future is pretty bright for YouTube and getting brighter despite all of the, uh, all of the kind of small little controversies that they've had to face around children's uh, programming and, the scrutiny that they've been under from the from the from the authorities and from the government advertising revenue for YouTube for the last quarter for Q1 was up to six billion dollars, up from four billion dollars in the first quarter of last year, which puts YouTube at almost the exact same revenue level for 2021 uh, now anticipated as Netflix. Wow. Man, that comparison is so highlighting. Oh my gosh. I and the trajectory is Netflix is flat, flattish. Mm-hmm. YouTube is not. No. YouTube. And now Netflix is going to be fine, obviously. I mean, they're still going to be, you know, they're in there facing increasing competition from multiple services. But what does this do to linear TV? What does this do to cable? 
over time. I hope it goes away, frankly. Well, I'm, it, it's I'm okay to, but, it. but should it? So how do we deal with live events, live sporting events? How do we deal with live uh, news? How do we deal with those sorts of things? If, 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 how do we deal with regional TV, local TV? If over the air television, over the uh, just kind of the straightforward television goes away, it's going to face the same challenges radio faces. It's no question it's going to be diminished. Uh, yeah. But it's uh, it's it's happening very quickly, and uh, and you know these these services that were startups fifteen years ago are now so established. I love seeing too because we were just my husband and I were just talking about this the other day. One of our favorite channels is a guy. He worked at Disney and he got laid off, and so he started a cooking plus history channel mm-hmm. on YouTube, and it's just taken off since then. That's just one example, but uh, you did see a lot. I feel like YouTube, I mean, again, it's got all its pitfalls and nuances that some of us, you know, we, we don't love some things we love, some things we hate, but, um, for people, I think for a lot of the unemployed who are like, I gotta, I gotta do something, you know, I got, you know, and maybe I can monetize something I know or do. It was just really interesting to see that trend. So, so it doesn't surprise me when you say that the revenue and their trend is just going up, 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 Netflix, even just hitting a little flat. Cause I mean, I feel like just we're all kind of looking more toward YouTube nowadays. Yeah, so. we are. And that's, and, again, anecdotal, but. But are we reaching the point now? There, I, I have personally noticed a significant uptick in the number of ads running in the fact that they're now yes. ganging ads. Uh, quite often when you jump into a video, you'll get two 15-second ads as opposed. So you you skip by the first one at five seconds, or sometimes they have it, so you have to watch the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen an increase in the number of ads, which uh, I'm wondering what the tipping point is. I'm wondering where people start pushing back. And at that point there, of course, YouTube does have a solution. Sign up for YouTube Red by our subscription service <laughs> and you can uh, and you won't have any more ads. Um, and for the content creator, from my side, it's the same. Uh, I don't know if it's the yeah. same, but I get when I when I get my YouTube ad statement, I get uh, it's broken out into money from YouTube Red. So every people that watches mm-hmm. my videos without watching ads, I get compensated for any of the monetized content that I have. So right. it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see as it goes along, but it's, uh, but we are, you know, it's, it's YouTube is, I think YouTube hit a bit of a rocky patch as far as reputation goes, but, yeah. uh, and, uh, I think we're, it, it, I feel like we're almost past that with, with a lot of platforms, YouTube, Patreon, which I'm spending a lot of time in, they had a rocky patch as far as uh, censorship goes and stuff, but both of them seem to be kind of weathering that storm and now moving ahead fairly, fairly aggressively. So what's, what's your next, uh, next, uh, story? So I have a feeling everyone listening can totally relate with the story. Um, I know I can, and I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, but here we are. We're entering this, uh, my husband and I are entering this phase of our lives where we have alarms on our phones that remind us when we're supposed to take a medication. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I just, I mentioned to you uh, before the show that, you know, my husband just had a surgery, which we're seeing that happen more, a little more often as we get older too. But um, you know, he's got to take medication at certain hours of the day. And then you've got days of the week, right? And you, you've got my, what if you have multiple medications? And um, my story is kind of, it's reinforcing the fact that technology is getting built all the time that's helping us in our aging um, to, to take care of ourselves for self-care um, and, you know, medications, but also just, you know, for the things that we become a little more prone to as we get older, you know, how like you go to bed and you wake up and you're like, Oh, great. Well, something doesn't work now. And I was just sleeping. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but the story uh, from fast company again is talking about this new uh, app called hero, or actually it's a device and it's Wi-Fi integrated. And basically what was happening, it came from a need where his um, I think his grandmother 
uh, loves her independence, but she was she would mix up if she was supposed yeah. to take medication at a.m. or p.m. and things like that. So what this device does is it actually will hold your medication and uh, kind of release it or distribute it, you know, just spit it out basically at the uh, um, allotted time. So mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about mixing it up, you know, little pill box there and things like that. Instead, it just says, yep, this is what you're supposed to take right now. It's um, brilliant. And it is. And it's, it's, you know, you're able to someone who is cognizant, whether that's that's you in one of your good phases or a loved one or a guardian can make sure it's set up the way it's supposed to be. And then you're not gonna, cause that is a danger uh, to mix up medication and take it at the wrong time or the wrong dose. Um, also can include vitamins and things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, I actually have a little bit of experience with this. Um, my sister really? is, my sister has had a, uh, a, a very bad uh, uh, asthma problem. And uh, it's in for, it's been critical at times. And, um, when she, she's been recovering from a very, very bad, uh, couple of years and she is on a very aggressive medication regime. And my sister's yeah. a few years older than me. So she'd be 65, I guess now, 64, 65. And, uh, she, uh, last time I visited her, uh, beside her in, beside her bed is a, it looks like a little, it looks like a little trash can. And it mm -hmm. is a medication dispensation machine. Now she and her husband, they're, they're both, you know, hundred percent there as far as their faculties and they have the ability sure. to be able to, you know, monitor things themselves. But while I was there, it word, it binged and a bunch of medication dropped out, which Anna then took. And, uh, as nice. long as they, as long as it's all programmed and it was, it was very, very impressive. And when you take this and you extend it, let's, so this, this is a convenience. It's, it's mm -hmm. obviously for more elderly people it's a it could be a life-saving device but it also has the ability to be a communication device where right. if you've got a parent um you can be notified if they haven't taken their medication right yes it's like okay mm -hmm. they, they, or you can be notified when it's getting low and other things yeah. uh, so it can actually uh, go on and this even um is a case where people are in care facilities you know, often you're concerned whether or not the care facility is properly you know, just di distributing medication and stuff like this. I mean, certainly here in Canada, we're having lots of conversations about our seniors' homes based on the COVID mm -hmm. epidemic that is just that just raged through them just our entire process. And if right. now I don't have my parents still alive anymore, but if they were alive, I would want to know. I would want to be a lot more engaged in what was happening to them in the facility exactly. this gives again the ability just through smartphones and through the technology that we have in place of being able to monitor and uh in in the kind of um, helicopter child mm -hmm. <laughs> like kind of right keep an eye on them well it and this article too i mean it, i i really it makes me so appreciative of technology today which i know we talk so much about too but um gosh you know have these things available today because uh, I talked about how telemedicine, so I don't know if any of, of, of our listeners have tried telemedicine. I've actually done quite a bit of it in the last year, um, you know, COVID. Uh, we, but, we, we did yeah. a feature on it on Webinar Wednesday a couple of weeks ago. I did an interview with, uh, with a doctor about what we should be doing to prepare ourselves better for the calls. Just, just so you know, pre-pandemic, uh, less than 0.9%, 0.09% of medical appointments were telemedicine. Today, mm -hmm. so that's a year and a bit ago. As of today, 30% yes. of medical appointments are telemedicine. That's right. Well, and this article says among um, uh, adults between ages of 50 and 80, 
before May 2019, uh, 4% of them had tried telemedicine. Mm -hmm. And uh, between March and June of last year, so this is a year ago, so I can only imagine it's gone up, that went up to 26%. Yeah. So one out of four adults between those ages was trying telemedicine. Yeah. So um, yeah, so you know, for things like prescription of medicine stuff. for prescription mm -hmm. refills, for you know, the I, last thing I would want to do is you know be sitting in an office with a bunch of people coughing all the time. It used to bother me, and I would avoid going to the doctor because I didn't want to be in the waiting room with all the sickos. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> that's right. Well, and, and going back going back to the Apple Watch, apparently that thing has a fall detection on that too. So oh, if yeah. you are you know, in any any age, but it'll actually alert. And I actually have that on my smartwatch now too, where if I fall, it's actually going to reach out to my husband and say, hey, I think she fell. Check yeah. in, right? So and that's phenomenal so for cool. people who mountain bike and things like that. Even if you're not elderly, if you are yes. you know, out on a ride by yourself and just these sorts of things, you know, it's, it's not, they, they aren't an insurance policy, but they are going to, and they aren't going to save everybody, but there's going to be times that they really step up and it becomes a, it, 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 it helps. So that's, I love that story about the the medicine stuff. And it's stuff that I've been keeping an eye on like a hawk. Mm -hmm. I just always felt that this, that the, 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 the dispensation of medicine is, and I don't want to, I don't want to diminish the importance of it. I know there's going to be some screw ups along the way and there's going to be some, right. it'll cause some, some heartache at some point as well. But overall, the good mm -hmm. that it's going to do is going to be pretty darned impressive. Agreed. So my last one is it's a thing that's keeping me awake at night. Uh -oh. And it's, it's, it's like this shadow that's looming over us with all the technology. And it's one of the reasons I feel guilty about being a proselytizer for technology. And it's, it's an outgrowth of what's happened with the post, in the post-truth era with uh with the way that uh information is being d d dispensed and people are believing things that are true which are simply not true and it's not just mm -hmm. now it's not the fringe it's becoming endemic um the growth of deep fakes uh so oh. when you add uh just people just you know willfully wanting to believe something which is not true to the fact that there's now going to be videos um and for people that don't know deep fakes are videos that look like they're produced by the person um, it, two years ago i think it, there was a, a video by the uh the soccer player uh, what's his name um the one uh beckham uh there was a there was a video that was released by beckham which was he was talking about uh I, it was it was actually about for a good cause but he talked in nine languages and they all looked like it was natural and real. And it was like, holy cow, it's, you start to recognize the power of this because people think that he's actually, the, the, when you yeah. watch a video on your computer or on your smartphone and it looks like the person's doing it, you can't tell, you can't tell visually whether it's real or whether it's a fake. So when you start adding video evidence, and they've they've done it with uh, they've done it with politicians now where they've modified you know they edit you know what they're saying and they just or they just even even through creative editing you can mm -hmm. create a false narrative but when you can exactly. actually put the words in their mouth in a contiguous form and have their face do it and it's all faked that is that is uh, world breaking at some point yeah and we're starting and and i only thought about it from a perspective of individuals there's a we'll share some links there's a great story about a deep fake 
uh, with Tom Cruise, a TikTok of Tom Cruise doing magic. And the, the article's trying to calm us down and saying, you know, it takes a lot more work than you realize to do this. And they had to go through all these things. And yeah, 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 that's all fine. That's a lot of work right now. But that doesn't mean it's going to be a lot of work in a couple of years. Because, you know, it used to be a lot of work for me to produce a video. I used to have to have a team of 12 people. And now I do it by myself with a with a you know, with a $1,000 computer. It, yes. It's going to get better. It's going to get easier. Um, but mm-hmm. when you start going to other things, um, University of Washington, uh, they are, uh, they've developed a piece of software for both creating and detecting satellite imagery fakes. Oh, interesting. So can you imagine they say, you, can you imagine that, you know, a tail, a, a wag the dog scenario where they're saying, you know, there's been a, there's, there's been no earthquake in so-and-so, or there's been an earthquake in so-and-so, there's been a tsunami somewhere, or there's been no tsunami. You know, the, these sorts of things uh, are, are, are now on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for it. I just, no. you wake at night. Well, and now you're going to keep me awake at night. Because I, mm-hmm. I, I've seen those things too. And, and hopefully all of us are familiar. If you're not, um, you know, it, there's ways that you can uh, reverse research images you see on the internet to see where it came from and see if it's for real. Because yeah, with tools as basic as like Photoshop or Canva, but then you get into stuff like any of the features of any of these editing programs, you can do a lot with them. I think Photoshop even recently just released that thing where you can actually change the expression on someone's face in an image mm-hmm. uh, and have it just look like natural, which gets right back. I was like, that's great, but that's, you know, there are going to be Adobe, people with malintent who are going to use the crud out of that. Adobe's adding those sorts of tools to Audition where you can, if you've misspoken a word, they can, you can actually modify the word so that it says mm-hmm. something different in an audio track. So we've got that in there, and and it's it's the boiling the frog scenario where the, I, I point a lot of I uh, put a lot of responsibility on the developers who are developing mm-hmm. this technology to recognize, but it's asking too much of them. Um, but yeah. it, it, I question the the individuals who are drawn to the creation of these sorts of tools. Um, I don't know if you've seen. They're, they're, we'll share a link to a, one of the deep fake apps, which is just. Uh, it, generating videos and it's called the the name of it is avaterify or avaterify is, is the, <laughs> they actually have the word terrify in the title of the app that these people are building uh because it is it is it is just terrifying another one of the most popular apps just raised five and a half million dollars one called reface which uh, just Dude. on the name well okay great that sounds good Reface. Yeah, I mean, they might be saying it so that they can do. You know, we see what happened in Star Wars with uh, with with Carrie Fisher. You know, doing you know some CGI generated stuff yeah. of her, which used for entertainment or to you know to for 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 film and those sorts of things. So the the technology is going to be there for those things, and people are, who create it for them are saying, "Well, it's I'm just doing it for entertainment." But uh, how is it well, going, this, going to be used? Yeah, this should be filed under just because you can doesn't mean you should. And there are, uh, would be, well, somebody else is going to, so at least, you know, the, the, we, we're, we're, we're into that, we're into that rabbit hole and, uh, uh, I think we'll be going down it for quite some time. Yes. And now I feel very icky. Thank you. On that, oh, on that, wow. on that superb note, let's transition. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and let's come back and let's talk about making money. Let's talk about something that's, that, that's fun. That's let's great. Talk about I love that. Real money, real money or fake money. money. All above board without any fakeness involved whatsoever. Do you need a little more Steve time? I get it. And I have something for you. 
Do you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, and online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday, and you can find out about this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday, or check out the links in the show notes. You know, Webinar Wednesday has become an online institution. I've hosted over 160 of them, and we are still going strong. I know, it almost sounds too good to be true. Free training every week and a chance to learn more about productivity, content creation, or online marketing, and more Steve? Oh, pinch me, I'm in a little bit of heaven. The links are in the description or visit dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday. It's hard for me to believe, but it's been 10 years since I stopped, 11 years now, I guess, since I stopped doing my TV show and started to enter into the world of online business and content marketing. And it's been quite a journey. It has been an incredible journey. Now, one of the things that was a goal for me as I started to look at what my next evolution in my personal business life was going to be is I was really drawn to the concept of passive income. Doesn't that have a wonderful ring to it? Passive income, making money while I'm sitting on the beach, making money while I'm fishing, making money while I'm doing anything other than working. That is a, that is, it, it just sounds terrific. And it sounds tremendous. And for many of us, it's a goal. And if you do a search online, you're going to find lots of different articles and uh, people commenting and suggesting you different ways of generating passive income. And I think though that a lot of us uh, don't look beneath the surface of what passive income is. We start seeking passive income without really understanding that passive income itself is a bit of a mirage. There is something there, but it's not exactly perhaps what our conception of it is. Or maybe maybe I'm speaking for myself and, you, and you've got a far more pragmatic view of the world, but it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be as I entered it. As I have now been 11 years in the process and learning and building an online business, I think I have a better appreciation now for what passive income represents or what different, rather than saying passive income, what the different styles and the different goals of types of income are that we, that we, that we seek the true passive income where you actually literally make money by doing nothing. As I say, it's a little bit of a unicorn. People have heard of it, but very few people have ever, or nobody's ever really seen it because at some point you have to do work leading into passive income. So that literally something has to be done in order to generate the passive income value has to be created created, which then translates into revenue downstream. So really what we're looking for is persistent revenue. We're looking for doing the work up front or doing the work, making the investment in ourselves or in our future and having that energy, having that effort pay off over a period of time, perhaps even increasing in value, but not something that we constantly have to keep feeding energy into, feeding time into, uh, as they say, trading time for dollars, that it is it is the effort that we put in early is generating long-term benefits, almost like interest on a, on a, on a investment. So when we start looking at that and considering that side of 
quote, passive income, I think a lot more drops, uh, a lot more kind of the penny drops, and it becomes a little more clear as to the different opportunities that we have. But again, taking a step back and looking at the effort we create in ways to monetize the work we do, that's a really healthy exercise. And it's what we're going to be basically looking at today. So as I go through and and think about the different classifications, I've classified uh, as uh, the the holy grail being true passive income, but I classify other types of income in terms like passive leveraged income, which I will explain to you in a moment. Uh, low effort income. Also, uh, leveraged active income and income. Active income, I know I'm throwing out a bunch of terms. Let's first of all say active income is what most of us do on a regular basis. It's trading our time for dollars. For myself, active income is when I uh, I get paid for a speaking engagement or a consulting contract uh, when I produce a sponsored video. For you, it could be a gig assignments or it could be contracts. It's time that you spend working on a project, working on a product, working for a service that you get paid and compensated based on the time that you spend on it. And of course, for most of us, that is something, at least if we're building an online business, it's something we're looking to av- not necessarily avoid. That is the one type of co- activity that I'm not going to be spending time talking to you about today. Instead, I want to talk to you about, and I want to set a baseline of how do we generate more revenue from what we are already doing? And that really starts with passive leveraged income. That's increasing the revenue from something that you are already doing. If you're already a content creator, you're already putting content out there, you're already creating a product of some sort, how do you generate more revenue from it, more security from it? And for myself, I'll I'll use myself again as an example. For myself, one of the real epiphanies in that space came when I started to use Patreon. Now, you've heard me mention here on the podcast, of course, Patreon, because Patreon is one of the funding mechanisms we use to support things like this podcast. Now, Patreon is crowdfunding. It's different than having a membership site or a sales site or selling a product. Patreon is a community stepping up to the plate and saying, we value the content you create and we would like to support you in the creation of that content. And so Patreon was initially designed for things like musicians uh, to avoid the uh, to avoid the uh, challenges of the, of the music industry and the labels, uh, allowing the fans to directly support the creators themselves. And it's expanded into authors and into podcasters and into a variety of different video creators, uh, game creators. It's expanded into a broad spectrum of different types of content being created where the there's no middleman where a publisher doesn't step in the middle and say, we are going to take our cut and we're going to have the author or the creator of the content work for us. Instead, the creator of the content is has a direct relationship with their community who supports them. And it's not necessarily they're paying for products that they've done in the past, but instead they're supporting them in their ventures in the future. And it's a beautiful thing. But here's the great thing about Patreon and the, in the where they penny drop for me is Patreon, I was able to reach out to my community and say, I'm producing this content that that helps you, that you find valuable, and you can help me to create that content, make it easier by giving me $10 a month. And, and we add a perk to that. Uh, so you, can, you add value where you can. But the bottom line is, in the beauty of it, 
and the, frankly, the genius of it is, is you're generating recurring income from work you're already doing. This is worth looking for. This is a process that is worth examining for any content creator is, okay, there's a certain value in what I create. Can I leverage that value? Can I find another place where the same content uh, is generating additional revenue. That is a form of passive income, which is, re, which is first of all, very attainable. You can go out and you can figure out processes like Patreon in order to generate more revenue. Another example for somebody like myself might be sponsorship revenue, where you go and you approach a sponsor and you say, I'm already producing content in this area. If I wanted to say on this podcast and I say, would you like to sponsor it? Of course, in, 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 in a charge for that, you'd be producing the content anyways, regardless if there was a sponsor on board or not. So that is incremental revenue based on content you're already doing again, a win situation. Another example might be entering into the world of affiliate marketing, which has tremendous appeal, where you are already creating content. You're already, say, teaching people about products, helping them make their best decisions. But now you're generating revenue, you're generating income from the merchant that's selling that product based on your recommendation or your the exposure that you give and the community that are the potential customers that you bring to the table for those for those merchants. So those are three just three quick ways that a content creator can leverage their their time investment and generate additional revenue and generate additional income. And then for myself and for many others, there's ad revenue. You can put that onto your website, you can have display ads on your website, you can incorporate ads in a podcast. And of course, we make we do very well personally with uh, adding ads to our YouTube feed and that is a that is the great source of income. I don't create my YouTube videos for ad revenue, but by adding the ad revenue to it, it, it then leverages the c content creation process that I'm in and it helps to pay the bills at the end of the month. Now, there's one challenge that we have in all of this is for all of these services and where a lot of creators run into a, a, a challenge is the constant need to feed the machine because your revenue is, is, is attached to the content that you're creating in a variety of different ways. Of course, there's constant pressure on you to be constantly creating new content to feed the machine. And that is the downside of incremental revenue on something you're already doing is as <laughs> it's kind of ironic, but as income starts to come set against whatever it is you're creating, pressure to continue to create that and to improve that it amplifies. And over time, it becomes it, it can become a bit of a burden, uh, the need to feed the machine. And we hear all over and over again of podcaster, of YouTube video creator, of burnout uh, that they have where they're, they are starting to hit that wall, uh, the creative wall and the responsibility wall of constantly having to feed whatever, whatever voracious audience or whatever voracious platform they are serving their content to. And that, that's an ongoing challenge. Now, the flip side of, or another form of this, or another way to look at this sort of passive income is income that you have that is leveraged income from content that you create that is, shall we say, episodic. So for example, instead of talking about me creating a podcast and generating revenue, what about when we create a course? What about when we create a digital product, create a digital online course? That, that would on its surface not seem to be a passive income opportunity because it's a hell of a lot of work to create a course. But 
When you create a product, when you create a course, first of all, it can be sold over time. You can have an open cart situation where once you've created the content, you are selling it on an ongoing basis and people are constantly buying it and there is real value there. There is certainly the illusion that that is at that point passive income. Now the challenge is, can you create that sort of a product and actually not have to be hands-on in the entire process as the students are coming on, answering questions, dealing with technical issues. So it's, it's, so it's kind of a quasi-passive income at that particular time because you know you're going to have administrative responsibility at the very least and perhaps the need to constantly update the content to something that as things change. Let me give you two examples. Let's say you develop a course, as I've done, on a product like Evernote. Well, with Evernote, I constantly have to keep updating that product because Evernote is constantly adding new features and revving the product, which gives me a limited shelf life of my course. So there is limited appeal to that. Far more appealing to content creators is the concept of creating evergreen content, a course that we can create once that will have value for the long haul. So let's say for example, I'm teaching you how to repair small engines and I specifically teach you how to repair, uh, you know, Husqvarna 1200cc, I don't know if that's a real thing, but 1200cc chainsaws. And you teach people how to service and repair those motors even after that model of chainsaw is not being sold actively anymore, people are still buying used versions of that chainsaw and they're still going to have to repair that motor. That course module will never have to be updated. It's evergreen content. You create it once and you can deliver it for the long haul. Now, there is one fly in that ointment, and that is the fact that a new version of Evernote has tremendous uh, tremendous publicity attached to it. Evernote and everybody's talking about it, so there's a lot of general interest in the new version, so you have critical mass that's interested in purchasing your product, and so if you do go through the effort of updating your product, you've got a marketplace ready for it. Whereas the Chainsaw video has far less immediate appeal or far less populist appeal appeal, but over the long haul, it is going to retain its value and be of value to the small subset of people who happen to need that particular bit of content. So when we look at creating online courses, one of the criteria that I look at as I start to create content is how evergreen is this content? If I create this course, how long can I sell this course for? And then how much, you know, what happens when it becomes, if it becomes outdated, how hard is it going to for me to, 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 uh, to update it? So that concept of this leveraged active income where you create some, some content, you work very hard in the creation of the content, you invest significantly in your future by creating good content and then releasing it. Now the challenge is the energy behind the sales of that course means that you constantly have to be putting energy into promoting the course. And in, in how busy the online world is, that's going to involve some sort of paid traffic, running Facebook ads, running YouTube ads, uh, continuing to build your mail list with the other content you're creating. Nothing comes for free. We still have to, we still have to find a way to get the message into people's ears and into their eyes so that they want to purchase the product and purchase the course from us. So even though the, you might not be working on the content 
of a product after you've been built a, a digital product, you still are working hard on the promotion of that product. And there goes that concept of passive income once again. It's different work, but you're still working hard towards getting people towards getting people on board. And the other side of that, the other way that we often launch courses is the product launch uh, scenario, which is very efficient for creating a large amount of sales very early on. So you create a product, you create a digital course, and then you launch that course. You do a series of webinars and you do a promotional campaign and you work your ass off up to the up to the point where you release the course and then you have a massive amount of sales right up front on the course, but then there's often a cart close. One of the ways that we ensure that people are gonna purchase the course or, or we, help to, we help them along that path is we create some form of scarcity where they have to make the decision now or the course is gonna go away. So if we close the cart, if we stop selling the course at some point, we create that sort of scarcity scarcity. Perhaps it's because it's leader led and, and the cohort starts on a certain date, but that generates a tremendous amount of momentum leading in. You have wonderful sales, uh, but then what? Then you've created, you've spent all this energy creating a course. The course still has value, but you're not selling it anymore. This is where the entire leveraged active concept, uh, leveraged active income concept of rinse and repeat comes in, where you've built a course, you under or built a digital product. You understand intimately what your customers want. You understand how to sell to them and how to, you've gone through the entire process from cor course creation through to course uh, marketing, through to course delivery. So you've got this wonderful package of knowledge that you can just rinse and repeat. You can update the content to the course a little bit, and then you can go through the launch sequence again. It's never as much work the second time, but it's always more work the second time than you think it's going to be. I will say that. But that concept of rinse and repeat, it's not true passive income, but you're leveraging, you're getting more value out of the second release of the product for the amount of time that you spent on it than you received the first time. It's increasing in value each time because each time you spend less time in the launch and you have predictable or you maybe even improve the results as you tweak things and as you, as you sell it a little bit more efficiently. That's a beautiful model, but again, a lot of energy, a lot of cycles go into it. And some creators, if you've done, if you've gone through the launch cycle for a product three, four, five times, I personally have launched my Evernote product now, I think five times, um, that becomes a little bit weary, wearing on you as well. You get a little bit of a burnout of launching the same product and launching the, the same kind of basic concept uh, multiple times. The, there's always the excitement. It's great when the PayPal and the uh, payments are coming in, but all of the work leading up to it, sometimes you just go, oh, do I have this in me again? So you have to measure your energy level as you approach these things. I guess the real, the, the point of, of our conversation today is for me to get you thinking more about how you can leverage the content that you create, the work that you're already doing, and generate more income. There's so many different ways to do it, but you have to take a step back and you have to really evaluate it. And I think for many of them, and maybe I'm speaking to myself, maybe this is self-therapy, but we're often creating so much content and creating new content and recognizing that our audience is interested in something new, and they are, and we don't 
pause and say, what about all of this value that I've already created? Are we maximizing the value we've created? Are we repurposing that content into, not just into new audiences, but into new revenue streams? That is an exercise which is well worth going through. Now, just as a complete, uh, the timing of this is, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, may or may not work. But as I record this podcast, we are in the middle of creating a new course on Patreon, on teaching content creators how to leverage their platform and how to generate ongoing recurring income through Patreon. So check in the links below and make sure to see, or check in the links that are attached to see if the if our webinar and, and the, the, uh, the launch process for that particular course is still underway. And if it is, I encourage you to sign up. And if you are a content creator and interested in Patreon, to sign up and to take a look at what we have to say about in, as we walk you through the entire process of creating a Patreon campaign and generating ongoing passive income from Patreon. As well, we also also have a one of our mini courses, our Foundational Fridays courses. We have one which is coming up again uh, on the day that this video is, this podcast is released. It will be this coming Friday after this podcast is released. And that is a course on an, an introduction to affiliate marketing. And that's one of our Foundational Friday courses. It will be available to for you to purchase after we've already delivered the mini course. It's $10. It's a one hour webinar where we walk you through the process and give you a bunch of resources. But it's a great overview on the entire world and the entire concept of affiliate marketing if that is something that appeals to you and darn it if you are a content creator i have to tell you affiliate marketing is the bomb it is the first best way to start generating revenue that will continue right through your content creation career so i encourage you to have a look at that regardless of when you're listening to the podcast because of course it will be available in replay as well finally don't feel bad if you are sitting there going, oh my gosh, there are so many things that I've done in the past that I recognize that I've not leveraged the way I should. I think that is is endemic through our entire industry. We are always looking at the next thing and something that we've done, we always don't necessarily see the value in because it's already something which is delivered. So take a step back, look at your content with fresh eyes and find some aspect or find some opportunities to generate incremental income from the content that you've already created. So Rachel, I, I wonder, is it just me or when you first heard the term passive income, did you think it was going to be easier than what it really is? Well, Steve, um, I'm going to tell you that when I first started learning about passive income, uh, I, that little nagging feeling kept bothering me in my brain saying, this sounds too good to be true. And I think it is too good to be true. I, I, and you really kind of laid that all out in today's episode because it's just like, yeah, I mean, it sounds great. I mean, who wouldn't want to just be kicking back on a beach or just traveling the world? Meanwhile, you're just getting little cha-chings all the time in your, you know, bank account or app or whatever. But uh, the reality thank you for pointing it out is work has to happen at some point for that to mm -hmm. happen. And, and then I love that you dive into it. So yeah, it's, it is the Holy grail as you refer to, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you can and you can strategically build your business to have a form of a passive income, but I think reality is that you know the that the energy has to be put in. It, it's, it's it's do we have a do we have a, a law of you know a law of you know that matter can neither be created nor <laughs> nor destroyed, and so income has to be earned at some point mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, you know, at least for 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 those of us who are mere mortals, um, you know, you have to do you have to put in the work somehow but i do think as i as i kind of thought my way through the content that that message that i that i gave which i think we tend to dismiss the value of work that we've already created because we're so looking ahead to the work that we have to create because that's front of mind that's work that has to come and it's 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 a responsibility but if we can take a step back and recognize the value in what it is we're creating and find ways to leverage that more effectively, I think we're all going to, we're all going to be a lot more comfortable. I think, so thank you for saying that because that's one, I think this is one stumbling block I have, and I'm sure there are listeners who would agree with me. I always ask myself the question, I'm like, what do I do that is quote unquote good enough Mm -hmm. to, to repurpose or to, to turn into passive or, you know, leveraged income or what have you. And that's my stumbling block. And I know it's probably, you know, that just that thing where we look at what other people are doing and, okay, well, they're making money at that. I just don't know that what I do already or what even I'm thinking of doing is good enough to ask people, hey, you're going to pay me 10 bucks a month to do this. So, I mean, I'd love to hear from you. Like, what's what's your advice for me and people like me who are letting that be in our way? going to be impossible to answer that in a short time in a podcast, but I I will tell you what, 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 how it worked for me is, and the regular listeners of the podcast will have heard this story before. So I apologize to those back when I started uh, on YouTube, as we said off the top of the show. Now I actually didn't start my real efforts in 2007, but after I stopped doing the TV show, the, one of the epiphanies of getting on YouTube for me for the first time, was the direct connection with a community, with an audience. And YouTube comments, although they aren't the, it isn't the best social platform in the world, it gave a voice and allowed people who watched my content to actually tell me what they wanted to see more of. And it was in that dialogue, it was the fact that I had direct access to the people who were most interested that slowly started to, uh, to, to, to move me in the direction of content that would be ultimately valuable and monetizable. And, and it can be, it can be a, a little bit of a, it can be a little bit uh, um, deceiving as well, mm-hmm. because you create, you can create content, which does very well, that has no monetary value. Right. Right. For example, you know, we do a lot in the productivity space here at Dottotech. Um, and I, I spoke about my Evernote course and my Evernote course has indeed generated a, a, a great income for us and done very well. But I've never been able to charge as much for my Evernote course as I can on a course on, uh, say, screencasting, teaching people how to create online video for promotional purposes or for training purposes. Because people, I always say, people will spend money to make money. Mm-hmm. They won't necessarily spend money for self-improvement to improve right. themselves. Right. And so reckon, so starting to recognize those global truths as well, and then setting your opportunities against those truths. So it's, it's, it's a, it's not there. I don't think that there's a, just a, uh, a checklist you can follow that's going to lead you to a product, mm-hmm. but it's a process. It's yeah. a process of building your platform, finding your voice, finding your audience and your avatar, who you're talking to, and then listening to them. Uh, I, we've, you've heard me say it before. My favorite book in, in marketing 
that really set my set my feet on a path of success was Marcus Sheridan's book, They Ask, You Answer. You know, that which is just basically once you have a platform, you have a place to talk to your audience, find out what they want, mm-hmm. and then answer the question. And if you don't have the platform in place, then go find it. Yeah. Uh, for example, if you wanted to if you wanted to create uh, start a YouTube channel, and uh, I don't know, let's say, what, what, what were we just talking about? We were talking about gardening. Mm-hmm. You want to start a YouTube channel on gardening, but you don't have a YouTube channel on gardening. And you, but you want to start it. How do you know what content to create that's going to generate interest? Well, you can just decide for your, what I did was I decided for myself what people were interested in and I published it. And sometimes it worked and sometimes yeah. it didn't. Where it becomes successful is when they tell you what they want to see, have published and then you publish that content. So if you don't have a channel yet, how are you going to listen? Mm-hmm. Go find a bunch of good gardening channels that are like the one that you want to create and read the comments. Yep. Look at the questions people are answering and then make videos based on their questions because you know there's an audience ready for it. Now, it's and it's not instant, it's not magic, it's a process, but you can you don't have to you don't have to start uh, by guessing. You can start by just taking a step back, taking a breath. Um, parking your ego and recognizing that there's somebody else that's going to do it. And then, and then going through that route, that is a route to success ultimately. Uh, now I can't help you decide what it is you want to do. Well, we'll be naked gardening, trust me. (laughs) Regardless what you decide value you want to add. If you follow the mantra of listen to the questions and answer the questions people are asking, you will find success. Well, I am taking that right to the bank. So I, I, that is a great takeaway from this whole episode. And anyone who's listened to the high, entire thing, I'm sure is now like, yes, I have what I need. So thank you so much for answering all that because oh, my, it is my the pleasure. Holy and, and we did, we, we've done a little bit more self-promotion in this particular episode than normal, but we do have a, several events coming up that are really relevant to the content. Um, if you're listening to the original broadcast of this video, in, uh, over the next week, we're going to be having a hosting a, uh, a webinar, which is entitled uh, how, to, how to Succeed on Patreon. Um, and so if you are a content creator and you want to learn about Patreon, sign up for this webinar. I've worked very hard on it. The webinar is a lead into a course. You don't, I'm not saying you have to take the course yet, but it will give you a great overview of uh, how Patreon works, how the relationship works in just the mechanics of Patreon and whether or not it'll give you a snapshot and whether Patreon is right for you and whether you are ready for Patreon. It's leading into our Patreon bootcamp, which is starting uh, in, in mid-May which is we're going to walk people in 30 days through the entire process of launching a Patreon campaign. And then on a second note, as far as the passive income story goes, we've got a uh, just our Foundational Friday, which is a, a, a very simple, um, basic, introductory level marketing courses that we teach here at Dottotech uh, on the foundations, on the foundational principles of online marketing. Uh, as it happens, my uh, Foundational Friday lesson on Friday of this week is uh, how to start uh, affiliate marketing. And so that's a, we charge $10 for that. Although our patrons uh, at the $20 level, they get access to those, all of the Foundational Friday lessons for free, but uh, we'll put a link in and we encourage you to do that. And the cool thing about Foundational Fridays is even if you miss the webinar, um, they're all available in replay. So we've got a, we've got a nice back catalog now of Foundational Fridays available for you to check out if you are so inclined. Links to all of these will be where, Rachel? They will be at www.dottotech.com slash 66 gray. That's 66 G-R-E-Y. There we go. With that, I want to thank you very much, Rachel. Thank you very much, Steve. 
Until next week, have fun storming the castle.